Hi, this is Jen Dunlap with Bright Families. Today we're talking about how to set up your college-bound student to have a healthy semester. I've gotten this question more than once from a mom who's packing up her son or daughter and just worried about what that's going to be like for the kid. If the kid gets sick, are they going to miss a lot of class? So here are some strategies you can use and things you can talk to your teen about. And of course, tell them to still give you a call because they'll probably forget a lot of these details and they'll need you to walk them through it. So first of all, by the time you have an 18 year old, you probably know just how they get sick. We all have our kind of individual styles. We start with a sore throat or a sore neck or a headache or fevers. Some people run really high fevers. Some people don't really run fevers. They just feel gross. Some people have very touchy tummies or just touchy digestion in general. And you may have sorted out a few food intolerances or things like that for your kid. You may have a sense that your kid gets dehydrated easily or they don't regulate their sleep well. So you probably know kind of where the landmines are. You've probably already had those conversations with your teen. And hopefully you're already using some strategies so that they weren't missing a ton of school or plays or sports or whatever. And some kids get sick easily if they get cold. For some people, if they miss meals, if they get behind on sleep, they get sick very fast. Other people have a a lot more tolerance for being behind on sleep. Not that I recommend it, but it just doesn't hit everyone equally hard. Some kids get bloody noses and other kind of irritating things. And of course, if you know your daughter has difficult periods, that's a whole other question. And we have lots of other podcasts on that. And that's something to help her tackle. If she doesn't want to change anything about her diet, at least get her to track her cycle and take ibuprofen so she will be less debilitated and hopefully get to her classes during her period. Schools' absence policies, I think, have become more tolerant in the last few years. There are more pre-recorded classes. There's just more leeway. But you will want to know this in advance. I watched people fail out because of absences, because they would skip class because they kind of didn't feel like going towards the beginning of the semester, and they would run through so many absences that by the last several weeks, any missed class was going to mean they failed the semester. And this was Thomas Aquinas College. They may have a more strict absence policy, but just be aware of whatever your school's policy is so you're not wasting a big chunk of money because your kid did not budget their absences well. So maybe that's the conversation to have. You need to have a really compelling reason to miss. If you have a kid that you think would miss just because they were having a bad day or stayed up too late... Um, In some classes, in some schools, that might not matter. It's mostly the exams. But just be aware of the parameters for your school and if it's up to individual professors. So everybody knows where, where the parameters are and what the stakes are. So first of all, I would say if your kid will take a multivitamin, that's fantastic. Do send them with one and then... If you can remind them in a tactful way to take it, then great. A lot of them are going to forget. But that's a huge, you know, cushion for a bunch of different nutrients they probably won't get as much of 
eating random meals at random times um, and not getting as much sun, perhaps, you know, not getting as much vitamin D, that sort of thing. Sleep is a huge, huge problem, of course, in college because you want to stay up and chat with people. These are friendships that you're forming. I love sleep and I still ended up sleep deprived in college because you feel guilty saying no when someone wants to chat till 11 or 12 at night. Where left to my own devices, I would have fallen asleep at 9.30, but if someone, air quotes, needs you, then you will end up staying up late. Or if it's just a fun time, it's a dance, of course, all those things will make you stay up late. Now, even if your kid has not been a napper, um, particularly if they were in school, they were probably not napping in the middle of the day, but in a dorm situation, you can go lay down. Some people... If you have a two-hour lunch break, some people go to their room and just regroup. Just don't talk to anybody. It seemed a little antisocial to me at the time, but there were probably a significant chunk of girls who would take their lunch up to their dorm and just eat quietly. So that's one way to recharge, even though they weren't literally sleeping. Some people take naps or just lay down. Um, There are a few strategies I often recommend to people that They take a nap maybe after dinner or on the afternoon that they're going to have a dance because, of course, it doesn't matter if the nap makes you stay up too late. That might be a concern for a normal day, but if you're going to be up till 12, 1, 2 in the morning because there's a dance or some kind of fun party, if you napped from 3 to 5, you didn't just destroy your circadian rhythm. It's going to be dysregulated over the weekend anyway, but that's a different question. So sleep, depending on how much of a factor this is, but for everybody, it accumulates as a huge source of fatigue. Then hydration. Some people remember to drink water. Some people switch to drinking only coffee when they're in college or soda, things that are less nutritious and less hydrating. Um, If your kid likes tea, Please send your child with tea, some kind of warm, hydrating thing that they can have at the end of the day. Um, Also, along the lines of hydration, if you're sending your child to a dry climate where you know they have the tendency to nosebleeds or congestion, a humidifier could be really nice, or one of those little mister things that you put the essential oils in, and also you can just put water in it and it pops it into the air. Those can be very nice. if your child is transitioning to a much drier climate. Also, if you didn't have air conditioning in your house and now your kid is in a dorm with a heating and air conditioning system, it can be different humidity. So a multivitamin and discussions about being strategic about sleep and different ways of hydrating from the inside, like electrolyte powders, fizzy waters, um, a cute water bottle, whatever little tricks might help make hydrating more interesting. Tea, and then of course the humidifier for the general atmosphere of the room. Another way that kids like to hydrate is they'll eat ramen, right? So ramen is very salty, it makes you thirsty, but often at the end of a busy day you do need salt. And you could send your child with the healthier version of miso soup packets or if they're going to have a dorm fridge, Um, a little miso paste or chicken broth or there's healthier versions of things like ramen. If you you know that your child likes salty, hot things, 
there are a lot of salty, hot things that you could send your child with to have at the end of a busy or cold day. The next thing to consider for your college-bound student is appropriate clothing because if you're changing climates and it's suddenly going to be much colder or much windier, those can be big factors in catching illnesses. And if you have a kid coming from a warm climate like where I live and they're going to a cooler climate, it can be an adjustment to bring enough gear. But also, in different parts of the country, buildings are insulated better or worse. So in California, insulation tends to be quite poor. And it can actually be really cold inside some houses during the winter, even though it's light winter. And your student could find, as I found, going to a cold climate that I had to strip off all of my layers uh, going into the classroom or into a dining hall. So much to my surprise, much as I wanted to wear sweatpants out in the biting cold, the second I got inside, I could not handle it. And so it's going to be a learning curve. Uh, It might not be worth trying to buy all those clothes in advance. And then the last practical consideration, of course, is healthy snacks. And I hear all the time from moms whose daughters have lost their period or kids that hate what's in the dining hall and they just aren't eating enough. And so whatever things that approach real food that you can send along with your kids, even if it's dried fruit, nuts, um, soup packets that aren't filled with MSG, just whatever kind of will give them something to eat in the evenings. Because with meal plans and dining halls, it's just not enough for most teenagers. They will end up hungry. They will end up buying something or needing something. And if you have any say in that by sending stuff along with them or giving them gift cards to buy reasonable things at a nearby store, that can go a long way towards helping them be more healthy. I've heard from many kids that their favorite foods that they enjoyed at home that were really healthy foods were just very difficult to prepare in college and or the college just didn't offer it. So if you're coming from a place like California where there's tons of different fruits and vegetables and then you're going to a college in the Midwest where it's just apples and oranges and bananas, it's going to be a real disappointment. Similarly, if you were homeschooled and you had lots of leisure time to make smoothies with your siblings every afternoon or cook your favorite special sandwiches or bake cookies, it's going to be a real come down to have college food. So many people gain weight, but I've also seen people lose weight and again, particularly with girls losing their cycle because the food is so different and perhaps not as interesting as what they had at home. So practically moving on to supplements, I'll give you kind of the rundown of what our family uses. There's a longer version of this same information, much more detailed with the moms class that we did on immune health. It's a full hour and several moms weigh in with their favorite supplements. I'm just going to run through like a half dozen of my favorites here and a quick explanation of what you would tell your college student about how to use them and then maybe still tell them to call you. So zinc lozenges or elderberry zinc gummies 
are really, really helpful for colds and just general viral things. Zinc will halt the replication or slow the replication of a virus. So that's why you want to have the zinc lozenge in your mouth, which is gross, but it totally works. So I tell my kids, eat first because zinc on an empty stomach can make you nauseous. So have a little something to eat first. Then you can commit to having the lozenge in your mouth for 20 or 30 minutes. You don't want to just crunch it. It's still better than nothing if they crunch it because they're still getting the zinc. But the fastest way to take a cold from a week down to two or three days is to actually hold the lozenge in your mouth. And then if they don't care for the lozenges, they can do gummies, which is what my little kids do. And elderberry is the kind of thing you can take every day. So if you have a kid who catches things and gets coughs and colds pretty easily, uh, you might just send them with elderberry gummies. We have a brand preference that is very strong in our house for the Nature's Way Sambucus. They have a gummy that's the best tasting gummy. I would eat any gummy, but my kids only want the Nature's Way Sambucus brand of elderberry zinc gummies. They say that all the other brands taste weird, which they kind of do. Or they have uh, crystal sugar on the outside or something they don't like. So that's the best brand in our opinion. And they also make three or four different flavors of lozenges, like a lemon and a mint, and they're, you can get different ones and find which one is most tolerable for you. If you are coming down with a cold, ideally you would use several lozenges in the course of the day. Uh, just, you know, power through as many as you can, basically. Another thing that can happen with college students, and if your kid has a touchy tummy, uh, they should have charcoal along with those hydrating powders. Because if you have stomach flu, stomach bug, charcoal absorbs the toxins that trigger the vomiting. And so this is a big, big help for our family. We've used this for probably a decade now. I tell the kids, if you if you feel nauseous, if you feel weird, don't eat. Of course, if you have a kid that's super anxious, that can't quite say it like that. But my kids generally have no trouble eating. So if we sit down to dinner and somebody says, I feel tired and gross, we do not make them eat. And in college, if your roommate or the people in your wing of the dorm have stomach flu, you've been exposed in the bathroom in all likelihood. And you just want to watch watch yourself. And we have a general rule at our house, we just don't eat if, we f- if, if the stomach flu is going, somebody in the family has it, uh, and you start to feel weird, you just kind of don't eat for half a day until you feel better. And that usually helps. But the charcoal will absorb some toxins if you get it in time. And in some cases, after you've thrown up once, if you then can get some charcoal down an hour or two later, it, it can stop it. The other option, of course, is just to not have anything by mouth for some time, which tends to work too, but it's unpleasant. Um, if you have a kid that just seems to have kind of weak digestion and maybe, I don't know, they get diarrhea, constipation easily, they just need something to help their digestion along, obviously you could send that kid with probiotics. Even gummies are better than nothing, but capsules would be more so. 
Um, I don't have specific brands to recommend because it seems to be very individual what does the job for people. But ginger chews uh, and other digestive things like peppermint tea can be helpful if they just tend to have a jumbly tummy uh, with regular food. Now, coughs are pretty common, you know, in cold, windy climates. There are many good cough syrups out there. There's basic elderberry cough syrup. Zarbies has different brands that are for kids that you can find at the grocery store here where we live. There's some stronger cough syrups um, made by Planetary Herbals, and one is called Wild Cherry Bark Syrup. It's a combination of many herbs. And there's another one called Old Indian Cough Syrup, which is a stronger tasting combination of herbs. And these work really, really well. Planetary Herbals seems to combine Western and Eastern herbs in these nicely formulated packages. The cough syrups taste kind of strong and medicinal, but actually all cough syrups taste gross. Even Robitussin tastes gross in a different way. So you might as well use the one that's going to be more effective. So lastly, I recommend a couple of different cough drops that have been very useful for our family. There's a certain brand, doTERRA, that has these very strong minty eucalyptus cough drops that are very nice when you have a stuffy head. They're much stronger than the normal kind of minty cough drops that you buy. And of course, since they have actual essential oils, they have a little bit more medicinal properties. So I don't sell doTERRA, but I buy those cough drops on Amazon a couple times a year, and we use them when people have uh, stuffy heads or kind of allergies or a cold. It just helps to make it more comfortable. And they sell another kind of cough drop called On Guard, which are very intense orange clove cinnamon kind of cough drops that are pretty strong tasting. It took me a while to even be able to do one full cough drop in a sitting, but they completely kill a sore throat. Uh, I also took them last time one of my kids had the stomach flu and had thrown up all over me and I got nothing. I didn't even feel weird, which is often what happens the next day. And again, we use them as needed. The older kids will use them in our house. So hopefully your college student can tolerate that strong flavor if they have that more intense sore throat. Another thing we use for a sore throat or a cough, something that seems a little more like bronchitis or pneumonia around our house, um, if somebody gets that kind of cough or that really intense sore throat that's not helped by the basic cough syrup or elderberry zinc gummies after a day or two, then we use uh, golden seal, which is kind of like an antibiotic in nature. It's quite strong. Uh, I would say have all the caveats like a regular antibiotic, don't take it long term, and only take it for a few days, at most a week, and it does work though. It's probably part of the reason we have not needed to use antibiotics with our family, is that it works so well. And like antibiotics, like one of those Z-packs where you start out with a heavier dose, if I suddenly got kind of floored by a cold or a, bronchi- a cough and I was just wanting to lay in bed. So it looks like it's starting to be a pneumonia sort of thing. This happened with one pregnancy 
or if I get that super intense kind of sore throat where it just it hurts to even talk or swallow or do anything, that is when I bring in the golden seal. Also, occasionally, if I just don't have time to deal with whatever sickness, I'll use that first off, but I don't want to overuse it. We just typically buy the Nature's Way brand. It's very easy to find at CVS and all the basic stores, and that seems to work completely fine for us for a decade now, probably. We've been using that brand. So I would recommend sending your kid to college with a bottle of that and kind of explaining this is for when you're really sick, not a cold. Don't use it all the time. Just like antibiotics, you don't want to overuse it. It won't be as effective, and it can compromise your digestion to be taking a lot of really strong herbs over a long period of time. If you have that kid that just seems to get everything, the kid that had a lot of sick days in grade school or high school and you're just worried about their overall absences at college, there are other things you can do for their immune system. You know, the multivitamin, the elderberry zinc. Some people use astragalus as a long-term immune booster, but you should not use golden seal in that way. All right, I hope this is helpful. Please reach out with any more questions. You can reach out through my website, brightfamilies.com. You can listen to a long version of an immune health class where many moms weigh in on their immune tips that they use with their families of up to 12 children. So lots of practice. That's one of our earlier podcasts. If you scroll back, you'll find that immune class. It's, I think, over an hour. And do just look for general herbal advice and try which ones your kids tolerate and stay in contact with your college student and remind them of how to use these things because they probably won't remember it all on their own. Good luck. This is Jen with Bright Families. Take care.